listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. So today I'm going to share about the ultimate choice. And the ultimate choice is not what kind of soup you're going to have today. The ultimate choice is uh, when you go to one of those 60 ice cream flavor places, what am I going to do? That's not the ultimate choice. The ultimate choice is found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so we're going to look at that. Lord God, I just thank you for what you have already done today. Lord, we sense your presence We thank you that we're able to worship you freely today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and around the world. God, open our ears to hear your word. Let it be life. We thank you that your word never returns empty, but always does what you will it to perform. And so we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, very familiar verses. Most of you could quote it, but we're going to tear it apart today. We're going to break it down and build it back up. Therefore, therefore, why does he say therefore? Okay, this is chapter 12 of Romans. Romans starts with chapter 1. It's pretty logical, right? All right, so in chapter 1, we see that we have a desperate need. We see that there's a lot of pain and sin in the world. We see that there's people that have done terrible things. And we read that and we go, my, 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 those folks that do all that stuff, they are bad. And then he says, all of y'all, that's the Texas version, (laughs) Texas revised standard version. All of y'all are guilty. Don't be pointing your finger this way because there's a ton of fingers pointing back at you. All have sinned, Romans 3, and come short of God's glory. God created us for glory. He created us for his presence. He created us with unlimited potential, but our bad choices, sin, ruined all that. All of us fall short without the glory of God. But then he goes on. He doesn't leave us there in our own filth. He says, the payment for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So he gives us a way out of our pain, a way out of our suffering, a way out of our mess. And then he goes on and on with wonderful theological premises, and we finally get to Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's working all things together for good for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. And and it's just amazing, the gift we have. And we get to chapter 12, and he says, therefore, because of all this, I urge you. King James says, I beseech you. I Implore. It's a strong invitation. Short of a command, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, because he didn't leave us where we were, but gave us a way out. Because of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Every part of you, give it over. Holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I have here in this version. It says in the King James, your reasonable service. That, that Greek word is uh, logikon. It's, it's logical. It makes sense because God did all this that we would offer him all we have. And you want to know how to worship? Worship is many, many things. Worship is offering. Today we offered ourselves. We offered our song. We offered our breath. We, we offer our time. We, when we give, we offer our money. These are all forms of worship. Now, the Hebrews were not unfamiliar with forms of worship. They had sacrifices. They had feasts. They had ways they were to worship. God's saying what is reasonable and logical is everything. Lay it all on the altar. And what am I to lay on the altar? My tithe. I give my tithe. I give my 10%. Well, great, wonderful. God wants 100%. He wants, Gracie said, all in, all in. Okay, he doesn't want your toe dipped in. He wants you to jump off the high dive into the deep end. Okay, and then he goes on to say, as if that wasn't enough, as if we're not challenged right there, don't be conformed to the world. Now, that word for conformed, it's like a cookie cutter. It's like an outward shape that we try to fill. We try to become. We try to imitate the world, the latest craze, the latest fashion, the, the latest way of thinking, what's in at the moment. I've seen a lot of things come in. I've seen a lot of things go out. Yeah, I've been going through my family photos. Okay, uh, 43 years of marriage. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> two kids, two grandkids. And I look at those pictures of us from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. The hair. Oh, boy. It comes, it goes. It comes back. Yeah? Yeah? 70s, what goes around comes around. It's true. Well, guess what? God never goes out of style. Amen. He never does. Okay? We don't have to do an outward conforming, conformation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is metamorphos. You've heard that word before? Metamorphosis? It's like a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. You don't say, oh, look at that cute little flying caterpillar. No! He's different. He's a butterfly. He goes into the cocoon. He goes into the grave. It's like he dies and he emerges something else. What a great picture. Yeah? Jesus went to the grave in a crucified body that was absolutely disfigured. If you saw the passion of the Christ, oh my word. 
I don't know how many years ago that came out. I remember watching it in the theater and just crying, honestly. And I don't normally cry at movies. But that didn't even scratch the surface of what they did to Jesus. The beating, the, 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 the whip, the, the whip just wasn't leather straps. It had metal attached to it that would tear the flesh. And then if that wasn't enough, he was beat up. If that wasn't enough, he had a crown of thorns put on his head. And then he was made to carry his own cross. And then he was nailed, literally nailed to the cross. And then hung. Unrecognizable, folks. But what came out of that tomb, what was resurrected was a transformed, glorified body. Something new, something awesome. It was still him, but he was transformed. It's like when the disciples saw him transfigured on the mountain. He was glowing. He was light. He was amazing. Peter wanted to build three churches right then and there. <laughs> Let's just, wow. Yeah. Guys. Don't give up. Why? Because we can be transformed. Some of us were something different before we came to Christ. Yeah? And we have been transformed. It's like, I knew that old person, but who's this now? Yeah? Uh, Scott Hinkle wrote a book called Surprised. Just came out. Good little book. 107, 109 pages. He gives his testimony. Scott Hinkle's a friend of ours. He's an evangelist. He's spoken at the church before. And he was literally kicked out of the state of New Jersey for doing drugs and sent to family members in Kansas. And while he was there, he met an evangelist who led him to the Lord. And Scott, after many years, went to his high school reunion in New Jersey and he's thinking, boy, these people look a little different, you know. And so he gets to, he gets to talking to one guy. He's, oh, you're you're Hinkle, huh? And he says, yeah. Didn't I hear that you were a preacher or something? <laughs> he goes, yes, yes, that's true. And he says, I was. All he said was, I was surprised <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> When we think about who we were before and who we are now, there should be a surprise, guys. Yes? Okay, well, that's just the first part. Okay, because when we get born again, we're transformed. Our spirits are born again. Something new happens. We have a spirit that is alive. That's the part of us that's born again when we say yes to Jesus Christ. Okay, our spirit... And our soul, that is being transformed throughout our lives. Okay, we're being made more and more like Jesus. And, and part of that is giving ourselves, our bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, all in, all in. And God starts working on it. The skit guys have a wonderful skit called The Chisel. And... <laughs> 
tap, 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 ouch, <laughs> tap, 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 ouch, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he works on us, and it's not always pleasant. Oh, boy, when we have to look in the mirror and go, wow, that's me, I did those things, I said those things. So our soul's being transformed. Now, one day, here's the really, really good news. When God decides to do it, either at heaven or the second coming of Christ, our body, amen, our body, we're going to get a new one, yes, it's going to be just the right weight, just the right height, no pain, and I don't know, I think it'll be like Jesus, he just walked through walls, he just showed up where he wanted, when he wanted, okay, that's the promise. But how do we get transformed in the here and now? That's what this verse is about. By the renewing of our mind. How is our mind renewed? Well, we got to think differently. We have the word of God that definitely renews our mind. Coming into a worship service, letting God, just soaking in the presence of God. And it's a process day by day. And it just doesn't happen in church, guys. It's supposed to happen every single day. Actually, every moment. Okay? All in. The ultimate choice. Okay. Now, this is kind of where I want to go. That's all introduction. Okay, then. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Don't we all want God's will? I mean, even the most ignorant would hopefully figure out that maybe God has a better plan than we have ourselves, that maybe God's ways are higher. You read the Bible a little bit, and you see that God's will, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And I think we all want that. We all want the will of God. Well, how do we find the will of God, the good, pleasing, perfect will of God, okay? He says you'll be able to test and approve. That particular word, and this is the last Greek word we're going to delve into, okay? Some of you love it. Some of you are like, ah, oh, well. Hey, you know, if God wrote the Bible in English, I should know English, right? Okay, well, this part was Greek. Um, That word for approve is a word as if you were testing a mineral to see the value, if it's gold or not gold. Because what might look like gold on the outside, what might glitter or have the color of gold, there's a mineral called pyrite, which is fool's gold. And we find out in life, sometimes we've been after the glittery thing, the shiny thing. Woo, that looks good. And we get there and find out that wasn't gold. Right? I want the gold. I want the diamond, not the glass. We've all seen those crime thrillers where they break in and they get the diamond and then they find it's just glass. Jewelers call it paste. It's paste. 
It's costume. No, how do you test if it's a diamond? It'll cut through anything. Yeah, okay. So we all want to know what the will of God is. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we are not ultimately in control of anything. Nothing. Nothing. You name it. Nothing. Okay. Now, I ran across this this week. I'm on uh, Dr. Mackey's mailing list. And he did a wonderful study from the beginning of Job. Okay. And uh, God told him when he was a young preacher to get into Job and study it and understand it. And now this year he's really like, this is good stuff. I need to share it. Okay. He says, the only thing a person has ultimate control of is their will. And even that's questionable at times if you've ever tried to be on a diet. Okay. All right. The only thing a person has ultimate control of is their will. Not their breath. Not their heartbeat. Not their finances. Not their tomorrow. Only their will. The only gift you truly give to God is your will. It is the only thing you have control of. So when we're all in, we say, as Jesus did, not my will, but yours. So I have to ask myself, all of us as believers, as Christians, have to ask ourselves, do I really want to know God's will? Because I can say, I surrender all. I surrender all. We can sing it. You know, I heard it said once, this is very harsh, and I did not come up with this, but one way we lie greatly is in song. Okay? Be careful what you read. Okay. Do I really want to know God's will? Do I really? Jesus prayed, not my will but yours, to his Father in heaven. And he had, Jesus as a man had an ultimate choice. Satan tried to give him shortcuts. Hey, just bow down to me. I've got all this stuff. I'll take care of it. He was lying. And he offers all this stuff to us. Take a shortcut. That's too hard. You don't want to do that. I, I, just whatever. Fame, popularity. You'll live forever. Eat the fruit. You won't die. Come on. Well, we believe the lie many times. Okay? Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free from the lie. Okay, so this is the ultimate choice. And God wants it to be a choice with us, y'all. He really does. He doesn't force us to do anything. Oh, he makes it very hard not to do the right thing sometimes. He does. But, but when you force someone, it's not love. Love gives freedom. Love is beyond our control. We can't force anyone to love us. We can try really, really, really hard. We can create the best possible environment for that to happen. But ultimately, honestly, we have no control over that. 
there was a young man who came to Jesus in Mark 10. And he says, hey, I don't know what he thought of Jesus. Honestly, he'd seen the miracles. He heard the teaching. He knew there was something special about this guy. He was conflicted. So he wanted a personal audience, and he got with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. And he says, I've kept all of the rules and the regulations. I've been very religious from my childhood. Certainly, I have a couple things going. Because in his culture, in the Jewish culture, keeping the law. Okay, these people had gone into exile, into captivity for disobedience. And suddenly, they were going to be the most obedient to what they understood that they could be. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not the message of Jesus. Yes, Jesus was, he cut through all that religious stuff, and he could see right through it. He saw right through to the heart, and he saw this man's heart. And, and looking at him, Jesus showed love to him, okay? Oh, wow, that's a good lesson. You know, you may look at someone that you think is religious or unreligious or doesn't measure up or whatever. What's our motivation? It's love. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack. Okay, you got it all together, bro. You're looking good. There's one thing you lack. Wow, one thing? Certainly. Tell me. Tell me more. Okay. Go and sell all you possess. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Okay, well, the come follow me part is the main message right there, right? Follow me. Don't follow religion. Follow me. What was keeping him from completely going all in? Jesus knew what that was. It's his possessions because his possessions possessed him. And we've got to get the things out of the way that are keeping us from going all the way. He says, give this to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But this young man, he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving. It grieved him the thought. That's how you knew these things had a hold. He went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Wow. I think we can easily judge this young man, but we do live in America, and most of us are better off, even the least of us, than the greatest in many parts of the world. And what would we do if God said to us, sell everything, give to the poor, and follow me wherever I lead you? Wow. Okay, let's move on. So in Matthew 19, we have a little continuation of this story. And Jesus goes on to say to the crowd, because wherever Jesus was, there seemed to be these crowds. And he says to those around who may have been listening in, may have been eavesdropping, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, property, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. You see, even if we sold it all, even if we gave it all, that wouldn't be the end of the story. 
because God has the ability to restore even 100 times more. Wow. Wow. And it just doesn't end there. We would have a treasure in heaven. And eternal life is a much bigger reward than whatever it is we would receive here on earth. But then he says something very interesting. But many who are first will be last and last will be first. In other words, I'm shaking up the game here, folks. Okay, Luke 9. Jesus said to all of them, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus has a plan for us that includes a cross. He has a plan for us that may not be pleasant all the time, but it's okay because he's with us and he gives the ability to accomplish what he wants us to do. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The ultimate choice, folks. All in. Okay? Mark 8. Same thing. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What does God love most about you? Your soul. Who you are. And in the story of Job, let me just say, in the historical account of Job, he had everything wiped out. He had no control. This guy that was in control of everything lost it all. And he had questions, and he had friends that tried to comfort him, and they got it wrong. But what happens at the end of the story? It's restored. He gets it all back. He gets more than he ever had. And we have the benefit of his experience to guide us that we have our soul intact. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? All right. Concluding. Okay, I want to make the ultimate choice. I want to be all in. I'm seeing 2020. I I don't know how long life will be. I don't know what's going to happen. There's no guarantee on anything. God, this is my reasonable choice. This is logical here, right? If God is who he says he is, he's in charge. And I need to cooperate with that. What do I gain? What's in it for me? Not that this should be our motivation, guys. But, but there is a benefit. There really is. Matthew 6.33. Again, we should all know this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things that the world seeks after, man, they'll be added to you. Once God knows that these things aren't going to be a distraction, the things really won't matter. He can bless us with those things. People I've known who have given it all, people like Wayne Myers, missionary to Mexico, he's given away more than most people ever touch in their lives. He's had all these things added, but why? So he can give them away. (laughs) 
there's this cycle of receiving and blessing. God wants us to be agents of blessing. Why? Because he wants to bless us. He can't bless us when our hands are full. We've got to let go so we can receive the blessing. So we will be blessed in this life. We will. It's a promise. All right, but beyond that, beyond the stuff, beyond the things, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not physical. It's not tangible. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, people who are very, very, very wealthy... Many of them are miserable because they're not righteous. Yeah, amen. They don't have any peace. And there's not a whole lot of joy. Solomon, he said, look, I, I pursued all these things. I chased him down in the book of Ecclesiastes. He gives a story. He had it all. Fame, wealth. Popularity, wisdom. At the end of it all, he said, the only thing that really matters is to remember who made you. Seek him. Seek him. If we could have it all, what we would find out is there's only one answer, and it's Jesus Christ, and he will bless us. So this morning, focus on the choice. This world and what it has to offer are the heavenly kingdom and God's perfect will. Okay. It kind of sounds like a game show. <laughs> door number one, door number two. You know? Do you want the box or do you want what's behind the curtain? You want to go home today with $3,000, or maybe you'll get a new car. You don't know what's behind the curtain. Well, God is telling us right now what's behind the curtain. Yeah? Because it's him. He's like, you get me. And when you have me, you've got it all. You've got it all. All right, so focus on the choice. And God knows what's best for each one of us. He knows everything about us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what kind of ice cream we like. I don't know why I keep going back to ice cream. But <laughs> he knows your favorite color. He knows all that. And he wants to bless you. He's your dad. He's your, as Bobby said, he's your papa. Yeah, and he's going to take good care of us. So, next week we're going to look at the rest of Romans 12 and what are some of the things that God's will, some of the things that are mentioned that are God's will. Okay, because I know here we want God's will. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. God, you're good. God, you're good. We choose you today. And if there's anyone here who hasn't given their heart to Jesus Christ, the choice is yours.
The choice is yours. Thank you, Lord, for that ultimate choice, that you've given us a choice. You don't force us into the kingdom, but you draw us. You reach out to us. You love the world so much that you sent Jesus, who gave it all for us. You paid the ultimate price so we could have the ultimate choice. So, Lord, we present our bodies to you as, as living sacrifices which are holy and acceptable. And it's reasonable and logical today because of all you've done for us. And we just want to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.